All right, what's up, everybody? This is Kelly Scar, Real Conversations Podcast. Welcome to the show. Today, I've got a good friend on the podcast. It is an evening show tonight, and so we are going to be having a couple of beer. Uh, my friend, Andrew Fuliato, as you all know, we're going to jump into the bio here right quick, uh, but my friend, Andrew Fuliato from Just Sell Homes is joining us this evening. Andrew, what are you drinking tonight, my friend? I am drinking a Leslie Crusher from Market Brewery in Newmarket. Leslie Crusher from Market Brewery. That sounds delish. Delish. Yeah, nice golden ale. I have got uh, the Grizzly Paw Brewing Company, Evolution IPA. Big shout out to these guys, local brewing company out of Canmore. All right. So as always, we always jump into the bio first, and then we're going to jump into the past and see what Andrew's been up to all these years. So Andrew's bio. Introducing Andrew Foliato, founder of Just Sell Homes, one of the top digital marketing agencies in the real estate industry. When he started his career as a real estate agent, Andrew immediately hated cold calling, but he has had a knack for online marketing. Before he knew it, he was working with one of the leading real estate brands, training hundreds of agents across North, across North America to generate more leads online. In the summer of 2015, Just Sell, Home, Just Sell Homes was born. Every day, Andrew gets fired up about the opportunity to help other agents, teams, and vendors grow their business by building a digital marketing strategy that converts. As he explains, what I do is about as much is what yeah sorry what i do is about so much more than running an effective facebook ad campaign it's about delivering real value and building partnerships that change lives dude i'm so sorry i messed that up your your font is like nine or something and i'm old yeah i should have told you to beef that up what the hell well i'll actually tell you what happened there so i hired a copywriter to rewrite my bio and i just copy pasted what she wrote into that and it came from her in the smaller font and i haven't upgraded it yet um, how do you like what you wrote? <laughs> I thought it was great. I, th- I think I think oh, she nailed it on the head, actually. Yeah. No, because I, I mean, also that is what you're like all about. Neighbor. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Like a year and a half ago, copywriter lives two doors down. <laughs> wow. Wow. Perfect. Couldn't have got more lucky, man. That's awesome. Right. Other than like, you know, knowing me. So there's that. But uh... <laughs> all right, dude. So let's, let's jump into the past. I mean, your, your bio said a little bit. Um, you know, you, you were, you were a realtor before, but what, what, what'd you do before you were a realtor, dude? You're technically, okay. So you're technically still a realtor, technically still are. Um, but you know, everybody's got a past, everybody's got, you know, the career before they did before real estate. So like, take us back. Where, where did you start? How did you wind up here? So I got a history degree, honors history from the university of Ottawa, and I wanted to be a lawyer. So originally I was doing that, like I started studying to get ready for LSATs and I just got tired of school, Um, was not for me anymore. And then at the same time, I actually, my family owned business, like so my dad growing up built a concrete forming company. Uh, And this was like peak, like really big condo boom, Toronto, 10 a time, a lot of work going on. And they actually got a huge job out in Calgary. So you're obviously, you know, Calgary quite well, the Germain building at center and ninth, we did the concrete work for that. Um, so when I graduated, they asked if I could go be like the site super or assistant site super out there. Um, so I ended up moving to Calgary doing that. Then I came back and was a concrete forming estimator, which is just a way of saying, I looked at blueprints and told you how much it would cost. And it's a super <laughs> dull job, uh, like super dull. Like uh, literally it's a, and we did it all by hand. So it was like, there was no computer software. It was I had a pad of paper, a calculator and a ruler. And right. I would just go through condo buildings telling you how much concrete was in it and how much it would cost us to build that. Uh, I bet that I did history not like degree, 
I bet that history degree was really helpful for that. But it, not for that, but it actually has, I would say, helped me in my real estate stuff. Um, okay. More than you Let's, would expect. Um, is that right? That's interesting. Yeah, okay. In a few different ways, um, which is goes back to my whole thing of I get mad at people who shit on arts degrees because they have real value and I can explain why. Um, not that I'm biased or anything. Um, right. But yeah, so I, I did that. And, but because it was like construction and like I was pretty good at the estimating side of it, that actually pays pretty good money, especially when you're as young as I was at the time. So like I right. basically came out of university when you add in like the car that I was given to do like site visits, all like all these other perks, it was the equivalent of like a 90K a year salary out of wow. school. So like, yeah. I w and then when you go out West, which at the time when it was booming, you get paid more because labor shortages and everyone's rate goes up. So I was doing right. very well right out of school. So we, like not long after I got back, my wife and I were all the time, uh, we were just engaged. Um, we bought, decided to buy a house and as we're buying the house, our agent actually cost us the house we really wanted. So wow. uh, I was kind of upset. We still bought. What, what happened there? What um, happened? Basically, she didn't notify the listing agent that we were bringing an offer. And they accepted another one like 20 minutes before she sent ours. And ours Ouch. was our initial offer was higher than what they accepted. Oh, boy. So we were not thrilled. Um, so I kind of like yep. jokingly told my wife, like, I do a better job than her. Um, she told me to prove it. <laughs> right. So caught my license. <laughs> Originally planned to do it part-time. So I was like, oh, I'm making pretty good money and it's a family business. So I have flexibility of like, hey, if one day I need to leave at three to go show a property, I can just leave at three. Um, right. Like I started every workday at 6 a.m. So like I could get a full workday in before most people ever want to see a property. Um, right. So I was like, well, that, I could do that. And then I actually met with a broker who's like, yeah, you're not allowed to come to our brokerage if you're going to have a full-time job. Wow. Like, huh. That's I, interesting. Like, that typically doesn't happen. Out of it. Yeah. I, well, so yeah. this is what interesting. So it was a 45-person brokerage and they had like 45% market share. Like they, they just like, it was all producers. Yeah. Um, and I like, I liked that. I liked that he basically was like, yeah, no, like, with your current plan, you have to go to one of the other guys. Um, if you get, I, mean, I think he's lying or something like, if you get serious, then you can come talk to us. And I was like, I, I liked that. Um, and then there was always a part because like, yes, I was being paid very well. And yes, I like deserved it, I felt. But at the same time, like it's still my dad's company. Right. I still feel like I need to prove that, you know, I'm worth it on my own. Um, so then I was like, all right. So I just told my dad, all right, dad, like uh, you got a two months notice right now, but I'm out. Um, wow. So quit the family business, got into real estate, and here we are. Well, not exactly. It's not exactly here <laughs> yeah, we are. Shit, man. I, I, see, this is where I met you, right? This is where, this is where our roads kind of intersected. I mean, um, I think when I met you, you were still with that, that company that's got the balloon, right? I think you were still selling there. Yeah. And you were doing some training stuff for them. We hadn't met yet. Oh, we hadn't met yet. No, like so in I person. remember exactly when we met. Oh, geez. The, I made that big of an impression? I did? Oh no, that God. was the week I got fired. I <laughs> 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 so got, got it. On a Monday, and that Friday, Virginia Munden invited me to a Jays game. And you were at the Jays game with your wife. Right. So that's where that's we met. That's right. 
Yeah, I was actually, so that was, uh, that'd have been 2014. Uh, 15. Was it 15? Okay. I must've yeah. still been with five years. Just sell homes this summer. Okay. So I was, I was still with Repri at that point and uh, yeah. I was there and those guys said, Hey, well get in touch with a bunch of agents and take them out to a Jays game. I'm like, that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> Let's go do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's okay. So that's funny how our, our paths really intersected then. So, okay. So you, you were with that company with the balloon and you were doing some training stuff with them. Um, what was it? So you were selling with them. I mean, okay, well, you know what, let's back up a little bit. Take us through the path of, you know, because I started part-time as well, right? And I know a lot of agents that, have, that started part-time that are still in the business that made a very successful transition. There are a lot of agents that start part-time that either stay part-time or they wash out of the business, right? Like, yeah. I don't know about your board and your market, but <clears throat> here in Calgary, the washout rate's like 80%. So yeah. like 80% of the agents that go and get licensed don't actually stay licensed. They wind up like getting out of the business, right? Yeah, I think here the numbers I heard were 80% don't make two years. And right. then of that 20%, 80 don't make it to five. Wow, that's crazy. And so, you know, here we are. And so when did you get licensed again? Seven, eight, eight years ago. Eight years ago. So eight years, I'm, you know, going on for like four, I'm in my 14th year now. So, you know, I, I think we've got a few things to talk about in terms of longevity, right? Yeah. How in the hell, how did you, how did you successfully transition from part-time to full-time? So one, I liked what he said. So I never went part-time. I quit the job and went full-time right. right away. So like day one, like I basically had about a six month runway of money um, okay. that I had saved up. And then I just went full-time all in, right? Like as soon as the, actually, so I got licensed. I got the email. My license came through. I was at the Calgary Stampede. Um, and then nice. got on the plane at the end of the Stampede, flew home and hit the ground running. Um, so, I, I mean, interesting for like my first, so I sold actively for two years before okay. I ended up transitioning. Um, so in that time, in my like sphere of influence, the only deal I did because no, no one was moving was three buddies of mine um, rented a house together. So I got like a small lease uh, and a human rights violation because one place tried to deny them thinking they might be gay. The agent pulled me aside and is like, okay, you need to tell me like, are they homosexual? Oh my God. <laughs> um, that's an inappropriate question. <laughs> I was like, we Unbelievable. Yeah. So like I went to the clients. I'm like, so this just happened. Would you guys like to lodge a complaint? <laughs> and wow. Like, they didn't want to deal with that like hassle. Um, right. But yeah, like that was, and that was pretty early in my career. So I was like, wow, you did not shy away from going right there. Um, and so, but like for the first years, the, the sphere, that was the only thing I got um, from like my sphere. Right. So like how I ended up building it, like, like for instance, like look, my broker literally did the thing where he like, where do I start? Gives you the phone book and says, start at A. Um, right. Which by the way, you should really start at D because everyone else starts at A and they all have given up by D. So we started D, that's a fresh group. <laughs> um, but I did not- That's a great piece that. of advice. Okay, yeah. so if you're cold calling, start it in the phone book at, at, at the Ds, not the As. Yeah, exactly. It really doesn't matter what profession you're in. If you're in sales and you're cold calling, 
started the D's, not the A's. Yeah. Okay, let's drop that, that first down. guy in the phone book's getting every phone call from the rookies. <laughs> oh my God, no kidding. They must just be experienced at dealing with that now. Yeah. Um, so I, like, I did that. I did door knocking a lot, um, but I also blogged three to five times a week. Um, wow. And interestingly, at the time, Google Plus was like a thing. I know, I uh, know. It was amazing. So much but Google juice from Google Plus. It was so awesome. I didn't, and I did it completely accidentally. So at the time, so I'll, coming into this, like to be very clear, like I knew nothing about online marketing. Like I was a concrete forming estimator that did it by hand with a sheet of paper and a pencil. Like I knew nothing. So it was all self-taught at the beginning. And so my reasoning was I need a website. So I got a Google blogger website. And the entire reasoning was Google owns Google blogger. And I want to rank on Google. I should probably use the Google own product. Right. So what happened at the time when they were trying to push Google plus is they made any blog post on a Google blogger site automatically a Google plus post that ranked in the, in search results. Wow. So unknowingly every blog post would rank within like 10 minutes. And because I started doing it so frequently, like I got up there fast, like by the end of six months, I wasn't just like the top spot in town. I was like one, two, three, and five. Wow. So like I was driving a ton of traffic locally. Um, like I remember someone reached out to me. He's like, dude, how are you killing it on Google plus? And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and so eventually like I found my profile and I only had 27 followers, but over a hundred thousand views. Wow. And I was like, huh, that's insane. Guess I'm a Google plus guy now. <laughs> wow. Um, so yeah, so like, ton of traffic that way and I started figuring out it took a while to get like some traffic but I got what I started doing is like I started getting better at like not writing like I was writing an essay and more mm -hmm. writing like how I would talk and having fun with it um so there's mm -hmm. a writer at the time that I followed a lot um Bill Simmons um so you might know him now from like he owns the ringer.com or right. did until they sold to Spotify back then he actually wrote um and that's how like he grew big on blogging and so what I, what I love about him is like the way he put his personality into it. So like, for example, like he'll take his favorite movie and take like the top 10 quotes, but then bring that to sports. So it be like, Hey, here's this. So like what I did is I took season one of game of Thrones, which was on at the time. And I took like the top six Tyrion Lannister quotes and how you can like what you can learn from Tyrion Lannister about real estate. Wow. And I like turned it into that. And like it, that started getting like people like reaching out and finding it fun. And like, I'd started putting inside jokes into things and just like putting my personality into it. And like, I really realized it was working. My buddy of mine owned a bakery where they're famous for butter tarts. And he's like, dude, I've had like six people come up to me today being like, yeah, I read about you on some real estate agents blog. I figured I'd had to check them out because he was raving about them so much. And I was wow. like, oh, people are actually reading. <laughs> Cause like at the time it's still just numbers on the screen, right? Like you, but till, before those first couple of leads come in, you don't, see that it's actually other people necessarily but when right. i came there and he's like yeah like we've had a lot of people i'm like well i'm great i'm, I'm glad i'm driving you business <laughs> i haven't driven any for myself yet um but then hold on a second light light bulb moment yeah right especially right work. now yeah Espe um, well but especially right now like you know the, the whole idea of the of, of what's going on right now with COVID and and you know people are at home i, I see a lot of agents right now that are that are promoting local business right? Yeah. They're wanting to get them on to Zoom chats. They're wanting to get them on a podcast. I want to promote those local businesses and make sure that that small business is actually going to, it's going to be able to survive through everything that's going on right now. Right. So, I mean, shit, man, like you were so far ahead of the curve. Like 
it's almost like you predicted the pandemic. Oh, we don't want to say pandemic too many times on this podcast. Because the last thing we want is to get banned off of YouTube and iTunes. Unprecedented times. (laughs) Yeah. No. Okay. Sorry sorry to interrupt you. But no, like I I think you you said a couple of things there that were really important. And and I think a lot of, you know, not just just salespeople, not just realtors, but, you know, entrepreneurs, anything that you're doing online right now, I mean, get away from – get away from the whole idea of like canned content, right? Stop putting yourself at the center of the universe. I think the agents that are, or entrepreneurs really that are um, seeing a lot of success right now are, are boosting other people, right? Yeah. They're, they're, they're not making it about them. They're making it about other people. So it's interesting during like the beginning of all of this. Um, and if you're watching this like a year from now during the pandemic, um, <laughs> or five years from now. Yeah. Probably still being watched at that point. might just be like my right. kids learning. Like it could be, what's yeah. daddy up to? Um, yeah. that guy, yeah. the ugly hat. <laughs> so I lost my train of thought. What was I saying? Oh, um, right. And now I remember. Okay. So I started writing like a, how to market during COVID-19. I was like the just almost marketing playbook during COVID-19 and very quickly into writing. I was like, wait, like this is just how I recommend you market your business all the time because like at the end of the day like nothing like this changes your strategy it changes tactics that you're using but the strategy remains the same so now it's morphed into like i'm four thousand five thousand words into this i'm not even a quarter of the way through it like shit i might have a book at the end of this thing um but yeah Yeah. like it's basically like how i would market and a big piece of that is just a lot of hyper local like fast content Dude, um, that's, that's, like, that's so that's so poignant. I mean, and I, you know, I've said this in previous episodes, and I know I've said this online as well. And it's like, you know, if if it took a pandemic to to show you the real way or the true way of marketing, like you were doing it wrong the whole time. Yeah, but most right? and and hope and hopefully, hopefully, you understand that if you're if you're continuing to market like you were, you know, eight or nine weeks ago. And, yeah. and you're doing the same things. I mean, you're do, like, seriously, you're doing it wrong. Cause it, you know, we're, we're in an ego based business here. Right. And it's, it's the, you know, I, I hardly ever see any posts anymore about, you know, I'm the top 10, I'm the top agent. I'm, I'm this, I'm that. It's like people have actually come to the realization that that shit isn't important anymore anymore. And nobody actually cares. And you know, what's funny is that nobody cared before but they're now coming to this realization that nobody actually cares now either. Right. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's hitting them in the face. Someone sent me their, uh, just sold. There was like 105% of asking in three days. They're like, how would you change this to market during now times versus like, <laughs> I'm like, I wouldn't have marketed it that way before times. Like exactly. <laughs> that's not what I would do. Um, and then they're like, and then I kind of explained why and they're like, Oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it's just like, you don't do, like, the problem that most real estate agents do when they market is it's about them and like why they're awesome. Right. And it doesn't answer the question. What's in it for me? Like, yes, I understand their mentality of like me saying, Oh, I sold this 105% of asking in three days. Well, what's in it for them is I could do that for them, but you're not even saying that you're right. literally just saying, Hey, look at how awesome I am. Right. As opposed to like a case study on here's how we got this result if you're interested in getting it too, and then breaking down the process of how that happened. Cause then in their head, they're like, Oh, if he's showing me how to do it, maybe I could do it myself. 
And then they yes. read like the post yeah. or watch the video and they're like, oh yeah, I need him to do that because that's way too much work. Right. Yeah. Okay. So let's go back. Let's go back. Um, all right. So you were a selling realtor. You're on, you're a rock star in Google plus. You're just <laughs> absolutely rocking the content. Uh, the, the, the doorbells ring in the, 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 you know, the phone's ringing off the hook. You know, you're, are, are you doing a bunch of deals now at this point? Like not a ton yet. So like the thing with online leads, right? Like most of them aren't ready today. So like it's, it's a long lead time. So my list was being built really effectively. Um, like it was going up. I had a lot of people I was like working with, talking to that type of thing. Oh, uh, now like this was not an overnight thing, right? Like my first inquiry off my website took six months. Um, and then like it built up from there. It got to the point, like every week I did featured home of the week, almost every single time I did that, I'd get two or three inquiries just off that one post. Like it, wow. it snowballed eventually. Um, so it took a while to go. And then I tried everything. Like I probably knocked on 5,000 doors. I cold called similarly that amount. I did try newspaper ads. Um, like I was trying a lot of shit. Um, can we swear on your podcast? I swear on mine. We're good. Dude, it's you. I'm, haven't you noticed how many fucking F-bombs I've dropped? That. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've um, had podcasts where I've actually not even sworn like yeah. a lot. So <laughs> I had one podcast where I, I was, was like, tired. okay, this is... <laughs> This is definitely an, ex, this is like an explicit. So we're going to yeah. label that explicit, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Fire away. So I, so it did take some time to get that, but where actually most of my early deals came from referrals from agents in my office. So I kind of just did this thing where I just started going to every experienced agent being like, send me your crap. Like anything you don't want, I want it. Right. And I actually, like my first few deals came directly from agents in my office. Just like, here's a lead I didn't want to deal with here. Go for it. Um, right. One it's one of the agents was like an agent who was like, I don't double end deals. I find it unethical. So yeah. here's a buyer who wanted my, who wants this property. I rep them. They ended up not getting that property, but then I ended up working with them for their next one. Um, so there's like some like that. Um, although the first listing I ever got on my own was Kijiji. So mm. I did, I, like very early on, like one of the things I did in the first two months was I, every day I checked Kijiji and Craigslist for people looking for real estate. Most of the time they were looking for rentals, but I was like, I need money. I'll take a rental deal. Right. So I was showing a woman like a thousand dollar a month basement apartment and her boyfriend showed up and just to like make sure it wasn't like a super terrible basement apartment. And as we're chatting, he's like, oh yeah, like I'm planning on moving in the spring. And I was like, do you have an agent? <laughs> and he's like, no, I don't actually. I'm like, well, then do you mind if I follow up with you in the spring? And he goes, yeah, sure. Thinking I'd never hear from me again. Sure right. enough, he ended up like listing with me for 600000 buying a $800,000 property. Wow. Um, all of Kijiji rentals. <laughs> wow. Like, I just, I tried everything. Like, yeah. a good, like one of the biggest advice I have for people is just like, don't just sit there and like think about things. Just get up off your ass and try stuff. Like I remember I was sitting at, in my office and I've told this story before on some podcasts of I was sitting in my like a boardroom table because I, I didn't pay for an office. I didn't want the desk fee. So I just worked out of the boardroom. But that, what often happens is like other people come in and start talking. And at the other end of the table, there's like four or five agents from the office talking about power of sales. And they're like, how do you even get a power of sale listing? Like they had no idea. And they started like debating it for like 10, 15 minutes. So I just closed my laptop, left, drove to the bank. And I'm like, can I speak to the manager? And I was like, so how do we become like the agent for your power of sales stuff? 
Right. And he's like, well, to be honest with you, the market's going up. Like we've only had four in all of the region in the last year. Like these don't come up around here. Right. And I was like, oh, and he goes, but I mean, there's other things we could do with you. <laughs> and then I ended up just started the conversation, right? Yeah. They ended up doing a first time homebuyer seminar with me where they like started being like, yeah, yeah, we'll email it out to all our clients in the right age range, invite them to the first time seminar at the branch. You can hold it at the branch. We'll provide refreshments. Our mortgage specialist obviously will come do part of the presentation. And we got a lawyer that we frequently use and he'll, he's happy to come join as well. I was like, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> you know, what's so, interesting. I, I've ever seen, uh, you've ever seen the movie Pumping Iron? Oh yeah. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? He's got Frank. Oh, it's totally a classic. Yeah. I was watching some clips today and uh, I can't remember who he was talking to. There was, it was a clip where there was a bunch of dudes and they were, I, I don't know. It was so weird. Shit was so weird back in the seventies, man. I don't know. A bunch of muscular dudes laying around in a park and they're all like laying on their stomach, like on there with their, their chins on their, their hands, like talking to each other. I just thought that was just bizarre. But anyways, they were talking about how, you know, Arnold at that point, I think he had won like at the time of filming, he had won like five Mr. Olympias or something like that. Right. And, and so they're talking to him and, and they say, you know, like, you know, it's, it's tough being the King. Like it's tough being the guy at the top of the Hill. And, and one of the things that one of the guys said, you know, he's, is he said, you know, the wolf is always the wolf that's climbing the mountain is always hungrier than the wolf that's on the top of the mountain. Right. And so that's, it's, it's very true in business. It's very true in business where, you were listening to all of these wolves that were on top of the mountain, but you were the guy that was hungry enough to go actually walk into the fucking bank and ask to speak to the manager and talk about power of sales. And the next thing you know, it, that doesn't even compute now, but you're talking about this completely different potential income stream. Right. And I, I think that's, that's super important. What you said, man, is that I think a lot of people, especially right now, the ones that are going to survive this, 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 this pandemic, this outbreak, this slowdown in the market are going to be the hungry wolves that are climbing the mountain. Like, you, never, like, you never know where conversations go. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've been rejected for like, my crazy ideas. Like, I'd say 90% of them go nowhere. But then I've also ended up as the preferred supplier for Royal LePage Canada for marketing. Right. And like, running, like Royal LePage Canada is now a client for Facebook ads of ours. Right. Like, and that just comes from like an idea, like this is actually a funny one. So I was at speaking at the same conference as Phil Soper, the CEO of Royal Page. Right. And they put like their slide for who our preferred supplier was. And there was a little gap in the corner. So I yeah. took a photo, went on Canva, inserted my logo and texted it to him while he was on stage saying this would look way better. <laughs> and that's how <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> Fucking savage, like, like, Absolutely what's the worst savage. case? Like, he's like, ha ha, yeah. that's cute. Right. Like what, that's like the worst case that he's going to say. Like, that's right. You never yeah, know. That is the worst case, but it wasn't. Yeah. No, you right? ended up being like, and, yeah, like, come and meet with the team. <laughs> right. And so you don't know unless you take that chance, right. Yeah. Unless you jump off that cliff, you don't know whether there's water underneath you or if it's just going to be yeah. a bunch of rocks, right. Soft landing or hard landing. I mean, yeah. you know, at, at the end of the day, you've got to take the leap. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the leap that you took, man. Like, so, you know, you had a, a relative success with sales. You were, you were doing well. And then all of a sudden this transition to, you That's know, a guy saying. that was a guy that was, that was forming concrete to now, you know, this guy yeah. that knows his shit in terms of online marketing. So take us through that. Yeah. So I, well, obviously I got to know online marketing really well. And then I also was deep into like going paperless at the time. And this was like pre digital signatures being legal. 
Um, so I, but I, I did all that. Like I was big into Evernote. Like Evernote was my thing. Um, yep. Like I still use it every day. I love Evernote. Um, I don't talk about it anymore because you can't make a business off the back of Evernote, uh, right. like selling Evernote stuff. Um, yeah. But my office wanted to see how I was doing stuff. And they're like, do you mind training people in the office? Um, so I started just like for the agents in my office doing that. And I figured, hey, maybe I can just get more of these referrals from them of people they don't want to deal with if they just see me more and they know that I'll take care of them well. Um, and at the same time, we actually got bought by a different brokerage. So it's the same brand, different company. So we get bought out and they're like, can you keep doing what you're doing? Um, and then at the same time, I guess Remax head office had asked if they knew anyone who'd be a good trainer. And they're like, well, we actually got this kid in our office who's doing it for us if you want to talk to him. Um, right. So the original idea when I accepted the offer was I'll do it for like two years because they're like, you'll travel North America. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to travel North America. Wow. I'm going to learn from like every top producer I meet, like pick their brain. And it's going to be like real estate university for me. Plus, right. I'm going to mention Aurora, the city I worked in, on every stage at least three times and build the best referral network that ever existed. Right. And then I'll go back to sales. Um, yes. I was like, so I guess people started making fun of me for how much I mentioned Aurora. And I'm like, I got a plan. <laughs> right. um, and then, but very quickly after I started doing that, I got a lot of messages and just like people coming up to me after me and like, can I just hire you to do this for me? Um, and then I got a call from my mentor from when I was selling being like, Andrew, do you mind? Like, can I just pay you like 500 bucks? I got need a new website. I just want to pay you to like evaluate all the providers out there and just give me an honest opinion. So that's what I did. Like on one night I got home from work, I pulled up like stuff of like all the different real estate website providers and gave them like a detailed analysis of like, listen, I know your business from you being my mentor. These ones won't work if they're good, but they won't work for you. Here's my recommendation of which one you should do. I also think right. you should add in this, 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 and this. Right. And he's like, damn it. I just want to sell homes. I don't want to deal with this shit. Can I just pay you to deal with this for me? And I was like, just sell homes, huh? And I pulled up GoDaddy, justsellhomes.com was available and I <laughs> bought it. Um, and then he's like, so, but like back to like, you'll do this for me. And I was like, all right, thousand bucks a month. I'll take care of it for you. Right. He goes, all right, we'll give it a shot. So I, I did it for like a couple months for him, just like on the side, kind of doing it. Um, and then I got a like kind of, being like, oh, from Remax, um, separate thing altogether. And then I called him, I'm like, hey, so like the thing I'm kind of doing for you, I want to turn into a business. Um, do you want to be my client? And he's like, well, he's like, I kind of am. I'm like, yeah, but like formal. <laughs> and he goes, okay. I'm right. like, okay, by the way, I also need you to pay me six months up front. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just lost the, my job. <laughs> yeah, check by the end yeah. of the day. Um, wow. Like I was like going on a Monday, I had to check either end of day, wow. Tuesday or early Wednesday morning. Um, and then someone else who had been trying to hire me, but I had turned them down. I called them up and I'm like, so you know, you've been trying to hire me. You can hire me now. Right. And like deal. And I was like, I also need six months up front. <laughs> <laughs> so that first week I think I collected like 10, $11,000. Um, wow. and then, cause I gave them a bit of like a break on the rate for yeah um so i got the time my rate was a thousand dollars a month and it's complete digital management like i will take care wow. of everything online obviously like in hindsight way too cheap for like complete management yeah. but at the time i was yeah. like this is great 
And then it was like three months in, I had completely replaced my salary and then some, um, and I've kind of never looked back. So like, I think our worst year, so this summer will be year five. Our worst year was 23% growth. Wow. So like, it's not bad. It's amazing, dude. Um, I mean, this year will probably end up being our worst year for growth. You never right. know. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think everyone will say that. Um, I mean, so, so what do you think, man? I mean, okay. So you, now you've been in this business for a long time now, this whole digital marketing space. And, you know, I look to you as definitely as an expert. You're probably one of the smartest guys that I know, um, you know, in the digital marketing space. People, man. <laughs> oh, come on. I'm trying to give you a fucking compliment here. Give me a break. Just accept it and say, hey, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Appreciate it, bud. I, I am more than happy if you want to say, if you want to talk about how handsome I am, especially with my hat on backwards and my hair growing along. But do we want to say that when like your video is right next to mine? <laughs> no, probably not. All right. So let's, <laughs> let's get back to business. Jesus Christ. Taking me off track here. Why don't you just have another beer or something? God. I do All have right. one. Listen. Okay. So, so I mean, you, I mean, how, like, who are the people that you're learning from? I know like Kuzmich is one, you know, I'm sure Dice is another, like, so kind of take me through that whole metamorphosis. Cause like when I met you, you were kind of on the cusp of this whole thing and now it's just grown and, and you, you, you know, you've got people working for you, your brother's working with you, you guys are partners, you're trying to grow this thing. You're, you've got 23% growth year over year, which is phenomenal you know, uh, for any entrepreneur, any business, you know, if you, if you, if you're at 20% or above growth, I mean, that's, that's great. It's a great model. Um, so I like what, what, what was it? What do you think was a catalyst for you? Um, you know, not just, not just not having an income, but what was it like, you obviously didn't know everything. How did you realize the fact that you didn't know everything and that you needed to learn more that on top of, why did you pick the people that you picked to be kind of mentors to you and to help you through this, 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 uh, this crossover period? So I've had like a few different ones I followed over the years. So like, like Kuzmich now would probably be like the biggest one. Like in terms so of it's, like so let's, let's, let's actually use his real name. What's his Nicholas Kuzmich. Nicholas um, Kuzmich. Okay. So there we go. Yeah. So he like right now, definitely like I go to him for any question, like literally I'll DM him on Facebook or post in our, mastermind group, things like that. Um, he's the one I probably learned the most from directly right now. Um, now I've had a few different people, like early on, it was probably just like the cliche Gary Vaynerchuk stuff. Um, like I obviously, like I was doing the Gary V stuff before I ever heard of him. Um, and so like when I started hearing about him, I'm like, yeah, I like this. Um, so I obviously like for him, there's a quite a bit there. Uh, and then there's been like a few, like, you know, people who have courses and I learned from them, pick little pieces here. Generally kind of, I've, even when I was an agent, I had this trend of like, I'd find a guy or a girl who was like, they know what they're talking about. And I would deep dive on all their stuff until I exhausted it. Then I'd go on to the next one. Um, right. So I've done that with a few. Um, so I just kept learning and learning. And now, like, I'd say now I've probably paid just as much for training as I did in university tuition. Like I've wow. put out a wow. lot. Um, now a lot of it is also like, I've also learned by trying things that haven't worked and trying things that have worked. Um, and then just learning and trying to always put myself in communities that I'm definitely not the smartest. Um, right. like that's key. Like it's, you hear that all the time, not being the smartest person in the room and it actually does yeah. matter a lot. Um, oh cause like I've God. been in a few yes. of those communities that I tried to like, cause I it took me a while to find ones for me. And there was a couple of them where I definitely 
was maybe not the smartest, but pretty close. Um, so it turns into like you're almost leading the group instead of learning from yeah. the group, which right. never like really like it's good for like authority building stuff like that. But like it wasn't in real estate, so didn't wouldn't have led anywhere unless I wanted to be right. like the guy selling to guys like me, which is not really the business I want. Um, so I'd say early on, it was just like a lot of random people and then like following just like big agents, seeing what they're doing um, and then just trying to like improve upon what they're doing. And then like the biggest jump for me in terms of like being good for real estate marketer versus now I just think I'm a very good marketer, just not a like without the real estate qualifier um, was Kuzmich. So um, I joined his mastermind and like we meet four times a year in person, small group, like deep dive into stuff. Um, but I've actually pulled back a lot. I'm like trying to learn more now. It's about implementing. So it's like, I don't try to focus on too much. Like I consume way less podcasts. I read less business books now than I ever did. Um, mm -hmm. But it's more like, okay, I need to get better at this. I go learn about that. Um, and I'll right. do it that way. Um, You've got a like, massive Evernote full of notes and, uh, you know, diagrams and, and all kinds of stuff. And now it's time to dig into that shit and actually start to execute on it. Yeah. Like I would say right, right. now, the two biggest guys though are Kuzmich and Dean Jackson. Um, okay. I don't think it's, in terms of real estate marketing and arguably in any marketing, there's probably no one who gets it more than Dean Jackson. Like Dean is just brilliant. Um, right. So he actually does have a real estate podcast because he actually started as a real estate agent and he actually invented the online squeeze page. He was the first one to ever do one. Is that um, right? Yeah. Like he's been, he's been around a while and he's just brilliant. So like between him and Kuzmich, especially I've learned a ton and that where I felt like it really took me up and like, cause at the time, like I would have said, I was like, I was very good at Facebook ads for real estate, but like there was definitely people who were just as good or better. Um, right back then. Now I'm like, and maybe it's a little conceited, but like, I don't think there's anyone who's better than me in real estate at Facebook ads. Um, there might be people who are as good, but I don't think there's anyone who's necessarily better. That's a fucking um, bold statement, my friend. I can back it up though. <laughs> that is a bold statement. Um, it is. I mean, and I, I if we get it, into I... other things though, like if you get into copywriting, email marketing, I know a lot and more than most, but like, I would never say that about any of those right. um, or like real estate marketing in general. I obviously think I know a lot and I think I know what works, but I would never say I'm better than everyone right. else. Right. So let's be, Within let's be clear about this. Facebook so, ads, yeah. I'll let's be example. clear about that. So what you're saying is like, there isn't, there aren't a lot of people that know as much if, if not more than you in the Facebook real estate ad space, we're not talking about like, you know, actual marketing in terms of email and, and digital and all things consumed. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I, I still think that's a fucking bold statement, but, and I, and I love it. I don't think it's ego based at all. Cause I know you dude, I know you're not an, e I know you're not an ego maniac. I know that this is coming from the heart and you actually really believe that. And so, and you know, I, I believe it too, man. I know you've run some ads for me and I've seen some results from it. I mean, you know, um, that was early on, but you know, listen, yeah, it wasn't even that day, good back then, man. <laughs> it wasn't even that, but, but still I saw results. I still saw results, but you know, I mean the, you know, you've got groups on Facebook and, and, you know, you've got the wheelhouse and, and uh, you know, you're, you're seen as an online authority, a, you know, a, a figure, 
you've been able to transition to, you know, from those groups, from that online persona to actually going to stage. Now you're a keynote, you speak at conferences, um, which is phenomenal. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to know how, you know, so we talk about, we talk about the Facebook ads, we talk about, you know, all of the marketing stuff, but we don't talk about the mechanics of it. Right. Like yeah. what goes into the back end of all of this stuff? Like, and I'm not going to ask you to review all of your systems and, and all the proprietary material that, that, that you've got going on, sure. but you know, deep diving into some of the stuff that I'm looking at doing right now with a couple of different people, you know, I'm look, like, I took a deep dive this morning. I was up at like 5.00 AM. Uh, you know, came, had a coffee, came down to the office, started doing this deep dive on, on some of the stuff that I'm looking at doing. I'm like, holy fuck. Like there's so many different spider webs that happen off of each little thing. Right. Yeah. And so like, so I guess the first question is don't reveal to me what you're using on the back end, but how did you determine what the mechanics were going to, what, what, what it was that you were going to need and what it was that you were going to use. And then on top of that, how did you rein in the fucking spider web? Cause it, it grows immense because yeah. you go down this one rabbit hole and it's like, Holy shit. Like now I've got, now I've got like 82 different other things that I could, we could be looking at doing, but now I've got to rein that in. So, I mean, that I think comes down yeah. to discipline. So like, I won't even say I'm perfect at reining it in. Like I still got crap on crap on crap. I got to drop. Um, but it's an, it's been an iterative process of like, we started here and then, okay, we added this, then we added this, then we added this. Um, so there wasn't like a one, like, okay, here's the vision and I'm going to do it. It's been like, okay, I want to do this. And then I've added on a piece and then like Lego blocks. Um, and then like eventually like, cause at the beginning it was like, okay, like I just need to make money. And then that was like me for a year, just killing myself like 15 hour days type of thing. And then once I started getting help, like as we were making enough revenue to bring people in, I was able to take that step back and be like, okay, this is what we've been doing. This is what's been working, but here's where I want to be and then start working back from there. Um, so like now what I do is I'll do that same process of like, okay, a year from now, five years from now, like where do I want just sell homes to be? And separately from that, where do I want to be? Um, and then just kind of work back on what we'll need. And then like in terms of like actual tools, we just write out what we need done. And then I go find the tool that does it. Um, right. And I'm not afraid to, and I will often pay more for tools to do the monthly versus the annual because the second I want out, I will cut it fast. Right. Um, so I'm a lot. Right. The second that you, you don't see it working, you just cut it off and rip the bandaid off. And yeah. it's, it's or even if something's working, um, if I think I see something that might work better, then I'll switch you like, so we've had, for instance, like three different live chats on our site. They've all worked great. I like the current one the best and I'm about to dump it. Um, only cause I found something I think might be like the coolest thing I've ever seen, uh, right. for a live chat. So like, do you use bomb bomb? I think you're a bomb bomb guy, right? I, I was, yeah. You messaged that to me. So yeah. So yeah. let's talk about that. So let's talk about tech shit. Yeah. So I just, I that... love this. So it's, basically like what seems to be a startup that's trying to take on the bomb bomb stuff, but ignoring that, like it's video email, they do some cool little things in there um, that are different than bomb bomb, but bomb bomb could easily replicate. The thing that he's done that I really like on this tool is like, if you think of like the live chat button on websites, his is a video of him talking like the preview. 
right. and you click on it and it puts up a welcome video. Right. Like now you're welcoming them to your website with video and then they can respond with video, text or audio. And I'm like, right. That I like, like that is a great little conversion and trust building tool. Um, it's like, and, and what's that called again? Warm welcome. Warm welcome. So like, I still haven't like tested it out entirely. So I'm still like in that very early phase of like digging in, making sure it like integrates with the CRM we're using um, and doing that stuff. But in terms right. of like what I see on the screen, I really like it. Um, so I think it has a ton of potential. And I also got to figure out a few other pieces on it. Um, but that's the thing. I don't rush to implement things now either. So like we just made the switch from Infusionsoft to Active Campaign. And that was probably like a nine month process for us of just wow. like making sure it fit, then running both simultaneously to make sure that we had everything set up, then cutting it, uh, cutting Infusionsoft out. Um, right. So like we were very intentional about it that way now. Um, and then it's just also because now I have a team, I have to make sure it's something the team's comfortable with. So like right. I love Evernote, my team does not. So. Evernote for me is just for me. They don't, none of them use Evernote. Um, we had Trello for a while, which I really liked, but mm -hmm. the team wasn't really using it. So we've switched to Asana, which they love. Right. Um, like the only thing that I've been like steadfast on is I will not move off of Slack. Um, I love Slack and I will not let them, I hate email. <laughs> so right. I will not let the team switch off of Slack ever. Yeah. You know, we, we were on Slack at one point. Uh, I say we when I talk about the previous mm -hmm. place that I was at, but we were on, we were on Slack at one point and uh, we wound up moving over to Facebook workplace. And I'll tell you, like I get messages from agents at that brokerage still today. And they're like, it's noise. It's noise. It's crazy. Like the amount of notifications that I get on a daily basis, it's, it drives me nuts. Like there's agents that, have absolutely just turned it off. Like they don't even get the notifications anymore because it's too much. Yeah. That right? is where you like, so this is something we do when we onboard someone new, we talk about notifications because I know right. that happens because um, yeah. it happened early on for us where that was happening to one of the team members. So she just muted, but muted everything. So when we actually needed her, she wasn't getting the messages. <laughs> right. So we basically have a policy. It's not like formally written down, but like we just talk about the team, like you can mute, anything you want, but you can't turn off new notifications if you get tagged because there's levels of notification. So you right. can say, just mute conversations, but a tag will still notify. And then we tell everyone else, if you need someone's input, you have to tag them. Right. So you can't just put it in a channel and say, oh, I put it there. No, if you didn't tag them, it doesn't count as them seeing it. Right. And that- Which makes total sense. A lot. Um, and then it's also like, we have a channel for like conversation as opposed to like, we're not putting in like a client chat and then end up talking about like last night's last dance episode or something like that. Right. Um, like, which is fucking awesome. Oh, it's gotta be one of the greatest documentaries I think I've ever seen yeah. on sports ever. I just love how petty Michael Jordan still is. Like, I just, <laughs> I genuinely enjoy that. The whole him. Isaiah Thomas thing, right? Yeah. It's just, he just still thinks him. he's an asshole. Yeah. Like okay. even like 20 years later, 30 years later, he still thinks like, he's an asshole. I just aspire to like, to that level of pettiness that Michael Jordan has on so many things of just like, right. 
and then like his whole like basically what he said is like no like i don't have a gambling problem i i win like right it's not a problem if you're still winning <laughs> right yeah exactly <laughs> like it's so entertaining just to like see him and like yeah i just i've also like grew up like i was a michael jordan guy uh jordan what? and rodman were like my well, and he was ruthless. He was ruthless, though. Like there was, I think there was, uh, I think it was like episode one or episode two of that that documentary, where somebody was telling a story about how he won a game of ping pong, and it was for five bucks. Like he doesn't play anything without putting money on it, right? And I, I knew yeah. I grew up with a ton of dudes like that. I, I ran with a ton of guys like that. You could not, you could not play a game of of crib without putting cash on it. Right. It was cash, cash for cards for cash. That's what we call it. Cards for cash. One of my favorite sort of thing. stories, which is, has not been featured in the documentary yet. I don't know if it will is he was landing at an airport with the team and bet the team a hundred bucks a person on whose bag would come out of the carousel first. <laughs> Except what they didn't know is he paid the baggage handler beforehand to put his bag first. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> that is totally savage yeah and i was like i love that it's just so entertaining Crazy. to like to hear those stories behind of like that guy <laughs> no kidding yeah so i mean he played this game of ping pong and it was for five bucks and the guy's like okay well i'll, I'll pay you when we get back to the locker room and michael's like no you go back to the locker room right now and you get the five bucks yeah right uh, it's like absolutely next level like I, and i don't know if that's i don't know if that that level of competitiveness is is something that's needed you know it is if you want to be the michael jordan of whatever you do like there's an argument to be made that no one has ever been as good at their job as michael jordan was at basketball right like well i think there's probably a few there's probably a few people in business that you can maybe argue about that sure yeah like but you could say warren warren buffett was is has been has been pretty fucking good at what he's been doing over the last 40 years right yeah but like you're having a discussion about like michael jordan or warren buffett right Right. of like who's better at what they do at their peak right right but i i think i think jordan won essentially six straight like if you take out his little hiatus he essentially won six straight nba titles right like that's okay so so yeah but if if we're if we're not if we're leaving that alone though and we're looking at we're looking at it purely from a work ethic standpoint and i think ultimately that's that's what this is about right that's that's what we're talking about right now is the fact that you know you're taking the michael jordan work work ethic like you you watch that documentary and he became the captain of that team within a couple of years of joining that team right and he (laughs) like yeah like a season right and he became the captain of that team by continually showing up and demanding the absolute best from everybody around him. And he wasn't going to accept anything less. And the only way that he was going to provide any sort of credibility was by being the first guy on the court yeah. in the morning and being the last guy to leave in the, in the evening or the afternoon. Right. And so that's how he gained that credibility. And I, I think that anybody that's really at the top of their game, they, they all have that kind of that same discipline, that same mentality is like, listen, I'm going to show up early every single day. I'm going to execute. I'm going to like what you're doing, right? That the fact that you, my friend have spent the equivalent of a university education, 40, 50, $60,000 on learning how to market digitally from some of the best in the world is a testament to your true nature and to what it is 
that what your commitment is to your business and the commitment, not to, just to your business, but not just making money, but ultimately, and this is really important, ultimately the commitment that you have to your end user, to your customer, right? And your end user, whether you know it or not, your end user, your customer isn't the agent that's, that is purchasing your services. It's still the guy or gal that's buying that condo or that single family home. Yeah, I do have to, like, that's one thing I actually make sure every employee when they come on that they understand that like, okay, like we talk about cost per lead, but that lead is a person looking for somewhere to live. Like that's not something you just gloss over as, Hey, we got $3 a lead. Like, yes, that's great. But you have to keep that in mind of like, who is that person that is that $3 lead? They're not a lead. Understand that. They're a human fucking your mom <laughs> right that's right it is my mom it's your dad it's yeah. my cousin it's like it, it is whoever it is who it is yeah. it's a person that's looking for a home right i think that's one of the biggest mistakes that people make like even the crms like you know through the company that i'm with right now um they're utilizing kv core conversion and so you you know you set up a an online lead uh generation campaign and all of a sudden lead. I said it again, right? So online lead generation campaign. So what is a lead? It's a human being, right? So we'll come back to that. And even that information pushing through to your email, pushing through to your text message saying that you had somebody register on your website, they still comes in as new lead, new lead, new, yeah. new lead. Right? I don't actually have just, a problem calling it a lead. Well, and you, I mean, there are I mean, people who do like, there are people who like get offended when you say lead. I think it's the narrative that that's been around for eons. Right. Um, and it isn't, it's not, it isn't just, it didn't just start with online. Like it goes back to sales one-on-one, like back in the fifties. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, uh, mad men, you know, when they were trying to sell advertising, like those, those guys in the boardroom back in the fifties were leads. Those were actual leads, but now the leads that we're talking about today are actual. They're like, there's a difference here. I think. Yeah. They're human beings. Yeah. And, and I think it's just reminding it's, yourself that it's that versus. Well, what, that's the thing, I guess. Like, you know, I'm, I'm I not. I'm if you call it that and speak the way that traditionally people are spoken. Like, I'm not one of those people who gets like, right. no, they're people. You have, like, I'm just saying, like, just remember that. Like, understand right. what it is. You can talk about them that way. You can literally assign them a number and call them a number. Like, I don't necessarily recommend doing that. But, like, if it works for you, that's fine. As long as you're still treating them and understanding the people side of it on the other side of that, calling them a lead or calling them a number or talking about your conversion rates. Like you still have to provide like the great service. Like when I'm this, remember we talked about it before, like I'm creating that playbook of how I market an entire right. section on it is just on like how you treat your clients. Like to me, that's one of the biggest pillars of growing your business is right. that like the service you're giving to people and you can't, discount that at all like that should be a big pillar of your investment and time and effort yes until you get to a point where you have someone that's like you've given great service to and you know um you you uh, well i'm not even gonna go deep on this but you know at the end of the day karen well there's just there's certain there's just certain i'll leave it at this there's just certain fucking people that you can't please Right. Sure. No matter what you do, mean you like, can't try. But there is exactly right. Fine than firing someone. That's right. Not like yeah, an employee. I actually, that I take it as a personal failing if I have to fire an employee. Um, but right. 
acquiring a client. So that, I mean, that's, that's a great point that you, that you brought up. I mean, leadership, you know, um, when we had a little bit of a blip, which actually was a bonus because my wife was able to come in here and talk to me about some issues with a, uh, you know, overpaying a balance on a credit card. And I was able to go to the washroom. So were you, I was able to pour another beer. So we're good. Lots to go over a pint moment. Well, Hey, listen, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, uh, you know, Jocko would say good, right. You know, oh, so technology failed you. Good. You got to go have a piss break. You got to pour another beer and you got to talk to your wife. Fantastic. Always look on the bright side of life. Yeah. So, you know, what we were talking about before is, was like leadership. And, and now that you are leading an organization, right, you've got certain protocols in place. You've got certain things that you want your people to look at. And this comes back to the discussion about Jordan and about, you know, other people in very successful organizations. I'm obsessed with SEAL culture. I don't know if you knew that or not, but I read all kinds of books on Navy SEALs and, you know, physical toughness, Goggins, Willink, you know, Divine, like all of these guys. I, you know, I, I probably, if you were to watch the history on my YouTube channel, if you were to dig into that, you would see like 99% of it is like SEAL videos. I, I love watching, uh, you know, movies about Navy SEALs, not necessarily like the movie Navy SEALs from like the 1990s with, with, uh, was it Charlie Sheen? And like, that was probably the worst SEAL movie like ever. GI Jane was like a close second. I think that was on TV the other day, but the whole, I, the, the whole point of my story is that I'm obsessed with the culture and the culture of leadership that they've been able to instill in the people that they have go through their organization. And so, um, I, I think it's, it's interesting that, I, and I don't, I don't know that, I don't know that you are one of those students. I mean, you're a student of history, right? Yeah, and but I've read do, do, two of Jocko's books. Does he have more than two? Uh, he's got a few. Yeah. He's got a so, couple of kids books and he's got, he's got about four actually. Yeah. I've done extreme ownership and then the dichotomy of leadership. Yeah. And then he's got the field manual and then he just released another book, um, which is going to be out, I think in uh, June or July. So, uh, and then he's got a bunch of kids books, which my kids have, of course, all the books, right? Kids books. So, which are phenomenal, but you know, the whole idea is that you're leading from the front, right? You lead by example. And I mean, I think um, having been in organizations as you have as well, where, you know, people think that they are leading from the front when in fact they are, pushing from the back and yeah. so if let, let's We're talk about <laughs> yeah well let's talk about teams for a second i mean not necessarily in real estate just entrepreneurship what, what's your biggest like piece of advice for somebody that's you know transitioning from being that solopreneur um to somebody that's leading an organization what is it that you've got to look for what is it within yourself that you have to recognize in order for you to be a successful leader i mean I'm like, I still am working on it. Like I wouldn't say I'm an amazing, like, I mean, I, I was very proud when a, an employee bought me this mug. Um, if you're not watching the video, it's world's best, world's boss. best boss. Very nice. Um, the Michael Scott mug. Hopefully it wasn't in jest. Um, <laughs> but like, I, I think I'm a pretty good boss. I mean, the big thing for me, um, like if you go back to the Gary V stuff of like one empathy is big. Like I always make it very clear to everyone on the team one like your life matters more than the job um so like if you have to duck out early to go get kids then go get your kids like 
that matters more. Like, I'm not going to be upset if you're like, I had to duck out early and cancel this. I'm like, your fight, like that matters. And that, like it shows long-term. And like, for instance, like one of members of our team on the side is a pop singer trying to like make it big. Like she's left work early to go to the recording studio to do a song. And I'm like, cause like time opened up that she wasn't expecting. I'm like, cool. But she's paying for yeah right she's paying for that time right yeah. too well, so yeah fine with it. like yeah. but she's great like she's a great well and jen will be reading this because she'll be the one editing the episode for me um <laughs> so jen what up um <laughs> but yeah like i'm okay with that type of thing like to me it's like i remember i was talking to an entrepreneur one time and we were talking about remote work because my team's entirely remote and he's like yeah we allow remote but if you go remote we you have to like do like a screen share all day where it like has your screen on. I'm like, well, I don't want that level of distrust. Like I just trust them to get the work done. Um, See, and I think where that guy is lacking is, is in, so what the, in, in the seal culture, they, they preach a lot about um, the ability to adapt to decentralized command right? So it's, it's the guy or the gal that's on the ground that can make that call, make that decision. So it isn't, you know, you're in the middle of a firefight or you're in the middle of a project and you've got to stop, make a call to the boss who then has to make a call to their boss. And then their boss makes the decision as to whether they're going to move forward with this one piece of the project, right? Decentralized command states essentially that, as a leader of the organization, you have given your, 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 uh, the people within your organization the latitude to be able to make the decisions that they need to make in, in real time, the best decisions that they think are going to benefit the company. And in doing that, you've, you, it's, it's a certain level of trust, right? Yeah. Like you, you are hiring. So it, it starts at the very beginning of the process, right? It starts with the, this is something that I learned recently it isn't it isn't something that i learned early on jesus i wish i would have known this early on i would have made way fewer mistakes in my team days and running a team and all that kind of stuff and hiring people and personnel and all that kind of thing we all would have <laughs> yeah i it, it's crazy it, you know so hiring the right people obviously is absolutely key training them is is the next level it's the onboarding yeah. part that that i think a lot of leaders really fall down on from there it's if you could train them to the level where you feel like they could replace you, that is decentralized command. That's what that is. That's what that means, right? Allowing that person the latitude, giving them the confidence to move forward with a decision that's going to benefit the company, that's going to benefit the platoon, that's going to benefit the mission, right? That's what these guys talk about. And so I, I'm sure that this is what you're doing in, in, in your company, whether you re recognize that it, you, you recognize it now, right? Yeah. Now that we're talking about it, it's the, you're, you are ex exercising uh, a, a deployment or exercising a, uh, a discipline of decentralized command. Yeah. Like my goal, and this is one that I've been very happy with, like the team, especially how we have it now is when I can go away to like a conference or on a trip, and I don't have to think about anything but being at the conference. Like before the team, like I remember if I'd go to a three-day conference, I knew that meant I'd probably actually be four days behind when I got home. Right. Like it was, 
and it starts weighing on me because I'm like, I just can't work while I'm at the conference really, but right. I need to. Now I'm like, it doesn't impact me, like the team, like really only that impacts the team now when I go is I still take the majority of the sales calls. Um, I mean, that's mainly because the one who we had started taking it over is on mat leave now. Um, so like sales calls are back to me, but like even that, most of them we had started transitioning off. Um, but like kind of our goal is I just speak and get new clients or like drive inquiries. Right. Uh, and then, so it basically means I speak on stages, create content, do that type of thing. Um, right. And then I review. So like, obviously like one thing I'm really proud of with the team is like, I haven't written that many, like I'd say in the last 12 months for clients, I've personally written maybe five ads. Wow. I've tweaked a lot of ads. So like we kind of like, the analogy I sometimes use is like a nurse and a doctor. So like the nurse does the majority of the work. The doctor just comes in and is like, no, do this thing. And then they go do it. Right. The dentist, right? Like, the doctor, whatever. The difference though being when I tell them to go do this or that, like I explain why. Right. So I'm like, here's my reasoning. Because hopefully being next time, I don't have to even come and do that. They just know to go do it. Right. Um, and I've, I've tried a lot of things like for me, like, cause I train a lot and this is one thing I've also had to learn too, is I can't expect the same level of dedication that I have. Like, I think that's a mistake a lot of owners make is they're expecting someone to care anywhere near as much as they do, which they never do. And you can never actually expect them to, unless they have a piece of the pie, right? Like, yeah, if, you ask wanna, that. if they want to, if you want to give up equity, then yeah, you can expect them to care just as much as you do. But like, yeah, the risk is on me, but so is the reward. Like I net a million bucks, then I'm netting a million bucks. Like I can choose to bonus them, but that's still my money. Right. Whereas like they, like they make what they make unless they're on like a commission model. Um, so I can't expect them to care the same level as me. So I always take that mentality into what we're doing. Like, for instance, like I used to set up with my team, like if you guys want an hour of training every week, I will train you on any topic you want but it was too open-ended. So like they, no right. one ever took me, like I think one person ever took me up on that. So now I just like, I have specific things I bring them and like, I'll look at what they're doing. So I'll do like essentially do like spot checks where I'll just go look randomly at things they're doing. And then I'll just like throw, be like, Hey, come on zoom with me. Um, and we're just going to walk through something that you did here. And I'll just like walk them through like, Hey, here's what you did. Here's how I think it should be done and why. Um, right. so There's just a lot of like tweaking along the way with them. Um, and like, that's working really well. Uh, that definitely a lot better than the idea of like, Hey, grab an hour with me every week to train on a certain topic. How, how much do you think, uh, having kids has contributed to your level of empathy? And I guess, let me, let me reframe that. If, if you didn't have kids right now, would you still be operating in the same fashion where it's like, Hey, you know, like, let me hold your hand a little bit. I'm going to take you through this. Do you think that you would, and, and getting real and in a little bit introspective here, right? Do you think that you would have been the same way pre-kids? Were, I, was, I mean, you- So I've actually, were you, you talked to like my mom, she actually always thought I was going to be a teacher. Right. Um, in a way, I kind I of- I could see that in you. I could see yeah. that in you. Um, I mean, I had no desire to ever at any point in my life be a teacher. I also never wanted to be a speaker. Like if you, I used to take zeros on projects if I had to speak in front of the class. Wow. Um, like I would sit in the back and they'd be like, your turn. I'd be like, I'll take the zero. 
Um, right. And even just saying that sometimes I wouldn't want to even say that. I would just like not even answer until they're like, Andrew. <laughs> right. um, little different now. Um, now you can't shut me up sometimes. <laughs> um, but you know, like I was like, to me, that was always something that I did like that hasn't changed much. Um, I don't, I don't know that kids has changed really my leadership stuff that much at all, to be honest. Um, now with that being said, I've only ever had one employee before I had kids. Right. So like, I don't think if you want, she doesn't work with us anymore. Um, cause she got a job she really had been trying to get for a while. Um, if she, I don't think if you asked her, I don't think it would be different, but I mean, they'd have to ask her, but yeah, I don't think it's actually changed. I don't really think I've even changed that much since kids. Um, the, the, the only change I feel that I've made is I don't work as much. Right. I mean, now that they're home with me during all this, I definitely don't work as much. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, you're there. But even like normal times, yeah, I'd say like the biggest difference for me is like I have like some, I have more untouchables in terms of time now. Like mm -hmm. to me, that's the biggest difference with kids is, and that doesn't just ex extend to like the time with them. I also now just for my own time have untouchable time. Yeah, that's, like that's, you can't book things in during certain hours. And I'm, I'm a lot more restrictive on the latitude I give other people for taking my time. Right. That's yeah, probably the I, biggest change, I think. Oh man, I hear you there. hundred percent. I mean, if I, 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 you know, if I have clients listening to this podcast, I doubt that I do, but if I do listen, like two things, right. Uh, when there isn't a fucking pandemic happening and you know, uh, sports isn't canceled. Uh, when you go to book a, an appointment with me on a Tuesday at 7 PM, I'm sorry, but I'm already in an appointment. It's already booked. Yeah, that appointment is I'm, is I'm coaching my kids baseball team. Yeah. Right. If you book me on a Saturday afternoon, I'm sorry. I can't attend because I'm watching my daughter's softball game. Right. They don't need to know that. I don't tell them that. So Dep I well, I guess it definitely say that now, to be honest. That's right. And it depends on who the, I was going to say, it depends on who no, the client is. I will say to anyone now, I don't care. Like if you're going to drop me, cause I'd rather go to my kids, whatever, then you're not someone I want to work with anyways. Like, right. If you don't value that I care about my kids more than I care about you. Right. Then we were never a good fit in the first place. Like that, that yeah. to me is a more recent, like I used to do the, sorry, I'm busy that time. Right. I don't even try that anymore. Now just straight, like, so, like someone's like, can I have a call at five 30? I'm like, no, five to seven is my time with my kids. Like, right. I get up at five. We'll make them dinner. Like their bedtime, they have to be down by seven. Like that five to seven for me doesn't get touched. Well, no hence what. this podcast and being in the evening yeah. and not now, that I, even like, this, like in the evening, if it wasn't unprecedented times, we uh, would still be in the evening because I'd still want to have a beer with you. I'll have a beer in the afternoon then. I, well, true enough. I don't do these like for, okay, now, for you, it might be different. Majority, I would not do anything at night. Like the second to me, five o'clock hits, my day's done. Right. I'll get Shut up early off. and work. I will, and like, I will come back to work sometimes at eight or nine o'clock at night and put in another three to five hours. Right. But even like the emails I respond to are scheduled to go out the next morning. Right. I will not send them that late unless it's urgent. Yeah, man. You know, that's funny. It, it's, it's one of those things I remember early in my career, 
I would, uh, I would jump and run, right? Anybody that, that wanted to see a house, uh, anybody that wanted to list a house, I'd be like, okay, I got to go. Sorry. I don't, I don't care if you've got both kids, you know, right here, firmly planted on the extremities. Like it, you know, if I'm you sorry. Kids, I, I would recommend anyone at the first year or two to still do that. Oh, still absolutely still do that. I guess my point, my point is that I, I hooked on to the wrong mentors early on in my career. And so, you know, I had this one guy that I thought was a mentor to me and he's like, Oh, well, I don't do open houses. I go to the lake on the weekends. You know, I don't need to do open houses. And I'm like, Oh, I don't need to do open houses either. I think that's a good idea. So I just stopped doing open houses and it was like, how come I don't have any business left? <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'm like going to his cabin, spending time at the lake. It reminded me of like back in the day when I worked at Arby's and yeah. you know, I, I got fired from Arby was when I, when I was 14 years old because I, I, I stopped showing up for shifts on the weekend. Cause I kept going to Bill Lindsay's cabin out at summit Lake, just outside Prince George. And it's like, I go in there on like a Thursday evening for a shift and the guy's like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, well, I'm here for work. He goes, I fired you a week ago. <laughs> I, yeah, was, like, I think until I you're was 14 like, can pay the bills comfortably. Like you do what you have to do. Like that's just part right. of that. You know, you got to eat shit for a little while yeah, um, that's right. or you just build a lot slower. Like I'm very aware of the fact that I wouldn't be where I am with just sell homes today. If I hadn't done that job for Remax mainly because they put me on a stage paraded me around saying this is the expert so like they put their brand behind my name so the day that i stepped out and said yes you can hire me now now they're hiring that guy that remax was saying was the expert right right so like that gave me at least a one to two year head start on if i just started it from scratch right like there's no way i would be right where I am today without that. I mean, I still think I would get there, but it definitely like, I wouldn't have replaced my entire salary in a couple months doing it like truly from scratch. Right. Um, so like, I, that's where like, cause I get people asking me like, how can I do what you do? I'm like, well, you can't do it exactly the same. Like I had, there was a few essentially lucky bounces that led to where it is. Any regrets? Anything that you wish you would have done different? Few little things here and there, but not really because it all kind of, I'm really happy with where we are. I mean, yeah, like maybe I wouldn't have invested in this. Maybe I would have done like a couple minor things differently here, but nothing major to be honest. Um, like I think, I think that's, that's a question that I've asked other entrepreneurs as well. And it's like, I don't really have any regrets. Like I don't know because you don't know what it changes to where you are. Like, so unless you're unhappy where you are. I think when you're an entrepreneur, entrepreneur, you're, you're looking at every decision that you make as an opportunity to learn. Right. So I, I would never look back on an opportunity and go, fuck, I wish I never would have done that thing. I wish I never would have joined that company for four years and then left the way that I did or, you know, whatever it is, right. It doesn't really matter what it is because ultimately not talk that I got fired. Right. Like you, well, exactly. Yeah. Like I would not like, we wouldn't even mention the company. It it wouldn't even come up in conference. Like we wouldn't even say the balloon. It would just be like, we wouldn't even talk about it. 
No, it probably was like I think the first time I ever said I was fired publicly was only like a year ago. I just don't care. Like, right? Okay, I got fired. Like, legitimately, they should have fired me. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah, you could make arguments that there was fault on both sides, and like, I mean, obviously, my argument is there was, but at the end of the day, like, I had to go. Right. And they made the right call. And like that worked out really, really well for me. Like I could right. not be happier with how that ended up going. Um, so like I can't talk about like regretting what I did there because it led to where I am here. Right. So like when I say like there's things I changed, like yeah, like in hindsight, there's a few little things I maybe should have done differently there. Building the career, there's obviously been mistakes. There's been mistakes that with things we've done with clients even. Um, but yeah, like I wish that those mistakes hadn't happened. Um, but then who knows where the company is. Right, man. No, this is, you know what, dude, this has been great. I I think we're just going to leave it there. We covered a lot of ground tonight. I don't know where we're at. I, I typically have the timer going, but because we had the, the technology glitch, I didn't restart the timer. We could be another 20 minutes and this would be like an hour and 20 hour and 30 minutes. It's okay. I'm good. Um, are you good, man? Are you good? Okay. Did you get enough off your chest tonight? No, oh, we can keep going though. <laughs> <laughs> well, when, when are you interview me? Like, ask ask me some questions, dude. I'm, I'm done like, with that. What the fuck? Are you switch doing it up. Now? You keep moving around. I'm like, what the fuck's the plan? I know, man. I don't <laughs> are you going to answer I, that? <laughs> you know what? I, I'll I will definitely answer that off camera. Listen, there's yeah. you know you know me. I've always got something in on, in the works, right? I've always got something on the go, and and uh, you know this is. Uh, Real Conversations is is a, a platform that I've wanted to have for a long time that was my own, that I could own and just have, you know, full, you know, artistic freedom around, um, have a lot of fun with it, interview people that I like, that I love, um, you know, have a couple of beers along the way and, and just, you know, provide value down the road. And, you know, ultimately, my wife goes like, why are you doing this? You know, why, why is this something that you, why is it? something that you're passionate about. I'm like, listen, like, you know, I would love it if I had sponsors. I would love it if I had like 10,000, 20,000 downloads a month, you know, but that isn't why I'm doing it. I'm doing it because I love the conversation. I love to learn. I love, you know, I, I jotted down, dude, I've got like, you know, two pages, two pages of notes, you know, from what we were doing tonight, you know, and just what we were talking about. I mean, fuck the, like with you, you know, you're, you, you paid 40, 50, $60,000 for an education. Yeah. I could have just, I could have just told you start a fucking podcast, right? <laughs> go start a fucking podcast. I did. There's your education. <laughs> well, yeah, there you go. Like, That's part of it too. The show. I don't care if anyone ever watches my show, to be honest. It, the, the people watching the show, what we get out of it is this in terms of the value I get out of the show. Right. Like, the value of the show one is like anytime there's someone I want to learn from or talk to, I ask them to come on the show. Right. Cause it's, Cause that's, it's it is ridiculously yeah. selfish. It is hundred percent. That's what, but that dude, that's what giving is. So, right. Yeah. And then the yeah. other side of it is it get, and this is also for me and my show now, obviously like right now it's a little bit different. I only did in-person interviews. Right. Because the time you get to spend with people has such like, an amazing return on like the time spent. Like 
my entire relationship with Royal LePage, which has been big for our company, not even just with Royal LePage people, but just like the legitimacy of being tied to like a national brand. Right. Um, it came from me asking Phil Soper if he'd come on the show. And at that point, he didn't know who I was. Right. He had seen that I had had one of his agents on. And I was like, oh yeah, that was the show that I saw Chuck on. Right. And then asked me, he's like, yeah, I'll do it. And I ended up getting three hours in his office over several beers with Phil. Wow. Like that's not something you get if you're like, let's do a Skype interview, right? That's right. So like, but that kickstarted a lot of other things that happened. Like so many, and like we've probably had more clients up until about six months ago, more clients from guests on the show than from people watching the show. Now the show's at least gotten to a point where like it's hard. I'd say most brokerages I go into, I'm not known by name. But if I mention I'm the guy who drinks beer online, you see that like, that gives that's where I know away. you from. <laughs> My wife is drinking out of your glass right now, by the way. Great glass. <laughs> it is a fucking great glass, man. Really so the secret is. of that is it's so cheap to reach people on Facebook that like I've maybe since the start of this show spent five grand promoting it. Wow. And I, if you look at just like number of people, not impressions, we've reached 100,000 agents in Canada. Wow. And that is, that is, yeah, that's that there's 110,000 agents in Canada and you've reached like 90%. Like last, so I haven't counted total views of the show since September and we are like inches away from 500,000 views. Wow. So like it, yeah, it's not a huge thing, but like it, it's good. (laughs) Like, oh yeah, it gets the job done. Um, we're very happy with it, but yeah, we're, we are slowing down a bit with it now, though. Street cred. That's important. It helps. But yeah. the gimmick helps, too. Like, the over a pint, like, that gimmick, which I right. really, like, the like pint is essentially a gimmick. Like, mm-hmm. That makes a difference. And that's one that I think of a lot. Like, everyone and their mom starts a show, but they don't have a point. Like, yours has a point, like, the real conversation side of it. Like, you're getting to right. have real conversations. A lot of people don't have that, right? Like, right. I wanted to take it another step of like, okay, like I want like a thing like this of like every episode has a drink. And like right. part of that is just to like ease people down and like get them relaxed. Yeah. Um, Cause it's such a good difference. Like that crack of the beer does make a oh, big difference. It just sounds so good. Right? Yeah. And it, it, yeah. it, cause it's so different than a usual interview too. Um, so oh, like, absolutely it is. So like for me, I base it on comedians and cars getting coffee and hot ones. Like it's right. a combo to me of those two. What's hot ones? You've never seen hot ones? Never seen hot ones. Oh, Comedians and cards getting coffee. Yes, of course. Because I'm a so massive hot ones is it? If I describe it, you'll probably have, realize it. So it's a show on hot wings. So oh, eat, okay. yes. All yes. right. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know what you're talking so, about. Yeah, yeah. But what I <laughs> took from that show was two pieces. One, they so focus on the heat of the wings that they drop their guard and have real conversations. Right. So back up for just one second though. Like the, the company that does hot ones is a hot sauce company. No, they were not. Oh, they, they weren't. Okay. Developed a line of hot sauces because of the success of the show. Holy shit. They, they, yeah. That's like the reverse of reverse engineering. Yes. That's so insane. At the beginning, like, wow. If you look at season one, like Tabasco sauce is the first thing they do. 
Oh, wow. And it's like Tabasco, like always, now it's like, now they have some specific branded to the show. Um, and they still bring in some new ones, but yeah, like at the beginning, that was not it. It was the interviews. Um, right. And then, but like, it's not like, yes, the people suffering from the heat is interesting. And like, that's fun to watch that, but you couldn't do 10 plus seasons of just watching people eating hot food and like being right. miserable. But it's what it does, it lets their guard down and they now have actual conversations. And that's right. what I wanted. I wanted something that would get people's guard down so they'll talk to me more conversationally. And right. so I was like, I can't copy hot wings. Plus it's hard to travel with that by myself. True. But beer is everywhere. <laughs> and that's an easy one. And I originally started like I was going to do craft of marketing and do craft beer, but I'm like, Seth Price already has the craft of marketing podcast. <laughs> right. So, um, and then I like came up with over a pint. Um, and it's actually, I don't know if I told you, but you are actually one of the big credits for me being, for watching the show. I did not know that. Tell me more. Sitting at a conference. Um, can't remember which one now, cause we've done a bunch of them together over a pint oh, yeah, of beer. Yeah. And mm. I had, you had been in my hotel room earlier that day, watching me film a video before we headed out. Okay. And we were sitting over a beer and you're like, Andrew, why are you so fun and engaging over a pint of beer, but so fucking dull on camera? <laughs> that sounds like me. Like, that sounds exactly like something yeah. that I would say. And then I was like, you're not wrong. Like, I 100% agree with you. Like, I am dull on camera. <laughs> and then they gave me thinking, okay, like, what can I do to recreate? Because, like, you're like, you are so engaging. You're so good when we're sitting here over a pint together. Right. But you're so fucking dull on camera when I see you. Right. And right. you were 100% correct. Yeah. Um, so then I was like, all right, well. I got to say, you've gotten a lot better, though, dude. Seriously. Like, we have, like, really great conversations without any beer. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. you get so used that's to good. it. It's reps, yeah. but... The beer. That's right. Um, but yeah, no, it was just like, I was terrible on camera. I mean, I still think I have room for improvement. I mean, you always do. Um, but I mean, even now, yeah, like I'm, I feel like I don't do bad on camera. Actually one tip for people on camera, cause I know this, this thing for everyone. I learned from Tom Ferry. Where to put the hands? No, I'm a hand talker. <laughs> they go over there. So I was at a conference with Tom Ferry and him and I were just like having a conversation like this, but in person. Mm. And one of the conference organizers came up to him and said, Hey, Tom, do you mind filming a video for like promoting that you're here? Mm -hmm. So he pulls out his phone, holds it up like this. And he like puffs out his chest and th the volume of his voice, like double or tripled. And I'm sitting yep. there watching. I'm like, man, that you're just so inauthentic. Mm -hmm. Like, and I'm like, this is so weird. And then I go and watch the video and it seemed like the guy I was talking to. Right. Because like, you know, they say like the camera adds 10 pounds, it like cuts your personality in half. So like, is that lesson of like, I have to raise mm -hmm. my voice a little bit and just like increase my personality up and just like right. double it. And that comes across as just like how I normally am. Right. And that's made a big difference for me. Man, that is crazy. Yeah. I, I never even thought of that for one second. The, the fact that I actually do that. Yeah. Like without even knowing that I do it is crazy. Like it, and it's that little switch. Wow. Like when you're, you always think about like how awkward people are when they film. It's because they're just being yeah. truly themselves. Yeah. 
how they like, cause you always talk about that, right? Like you're like, just be yourself on camera, right. but you gotta be yourself on camera just twice as loud. Right. And well, it's like for me, like going back to 2010, when I first started doing video and, you know, uploading shit onto my YouTube channel, like trying to channel my, well, I wasn't even channeling. I was just trying to copy fucking Gary V. That's what I was trying to do. Right. And, uh, you know, sitting in my office with my flip cam and like, Hey, how's it going? You know, it's Kelly Scar. you know, uh, welcome to the Calgary real estate connection. Happy Monday. You know, yeah. I'd be all excited. Yeah. Like crazy radio guy. And man, like, okay. So that I took that to the nth degree. I mean, I got some chops for it. No question. You know, it, yeah. it, provided me a platform, a stage, you know, so to speak for the last decade or so. Um, but ultimately, you know, I brought it down to a level where, you know, I shoot a video for coaching clients and it's like, Hey, listen, you know, this is what's going on. And, and I'm just very real. It's like this podcast. I mean, like, you know, I do the intro and it's like, I'm a little bit amped up because I want people to listen, you know, Hey, like Mr. Radio guy, hey, like, you know, grab your beer and join us for a show. You know, like I, you know, but you dig into the show and now I'm not like that. And so, you know, maybe that's a little disingenuous or maybe it's a little bit of marketing or marketing, or maybe it's just a little bit of, Hey, listen, yeah. like, but if you did that whole show, like the intro people, would yeah, stop no, people are going to tune out. Right. Yeah. So I'm just going to grab your attention. I'm going to pull you in and then you're going to suck down all of the great content that we're yeah. going to push down your throat. Right. And at, and at some point, you know, ultimately, so you asked me what I'm up to, this is a really long fucking winded conversation around what I'm up to. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, for the podcast, ultimately a, a large part, I am still a selling agent, you know, large part of my business comes from selling real estate and a large part of my business comes from referrals from agents from different parts of the country, like yeah. to the tune of like, 85% last year of my business came from referrals, which is a huge number. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, it's just, it's grown exponentially over the years. And so, you know, I want to give back. I, you know, I'm, I'm doing this away from my, 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 my wife, my kids, everybody's upstairs. You know, my kids are getting ready to go to bed. You know, my wife's away from me. She's like, what are you doing downstairs with like five beers? I'm like, I'm having a conversation with, uh, Andrew on my podcast, she's shaking her head like, oh my God, this is crazy. You know, <laughs> but you know, at the end of the day, I, I do, I truly want to give back. The, uh, ultimately, do I want to get something in return? Fuck, of course. I wouldn't do this if I, if I wasn't. And I would be disingenuous if I said that I was, right? So yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely roll my eyes anytime anyone says, I don't do this for me. That might not be the primary goal, which that I genuinely believe, like some things I do, I don't do primarily for me. But at the end of the day, like it's still to do something for you. Every, everything has a strategy around it. So I, I, I emailed, so I, I didn't tell you this, but I emailed Hal Elrod. Okay. Yep. I, I want to get Hal on the show. As much as I, I'd love to get that morning miracle. Life. Yeah. Uh, miracle um, morning. Yeah. If, you, if he doesn't respond, let me know. I'll intro. Okay. Sounds good. I don't know him, but like I got a guy who, yeah. Knows a guy. Okay. Well, I can we'll, probably, we'll I don't, I can't guarantee it, but I might be able to make it happen. Okay. Well, I we'll can, talk yeah. about that after. Yeah. And maybe a few other people, you know, Kuzmit should be really good too. So anyways, no, I, you know, ultimately it, it's your network is your net worth, right? And so, 
you know, I, you know, I try to get through the gatekeeper on some of these people. I'd love to get Ed Milet on the show. I'd love to have Andy Frisella, you know, I'd love to have a bunch of other people on the show that I, I don't really care, you know, ultimately what, what they're doing and what their, what their success has been. I want to know what drives them. I want to know what makes them as a person. That's what this podcast is about. And ultimately I think that you're going to learn from all of that, right? You're going to learn from all of that. Like we've, you know, I've talked, you know, I've talked about this, you know, for the last hour and a half now where it's like, we've covered a ton of topics from leadership to um, how to start out entrepreneurism, you know, how to transition, what's the mindset, how do you push through like everything, but we're not outlining it for people. And that that's, that's ultimately my goal is that you need to listen to what's being said to learn from what's being said. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. Yeah. I will also lay it out for people if they want. <laughs> yeah, sure. And I mean, I, you know, I guess it's, you know, it comes back to marketing. It's, yeah. you know, we talk about the, the, uh, That's the, my what and the well, yeah, it's a, it's the what and the why, yeah. right? The stuff that people pay for is the how. Oh, I'll give them that too. Right. So my ideal client are people who know exactly what I'm doing, why I'm doing it, what I'm doing, how I'm doing it. It's just, they, it's not the best use of their time, especially when you add in the fact to get to like the level of like what I know about Facebook ads, right. it's not worth your time right. to, like, as an agent. If you're successful to get to like what I will do and my team will do with Facebook ads, you're spending so much time and money to get there. It is actually cheaper just to hire me to do it. Right. So I am very okay. Like I will put out videos. Like I actually have a video on my channel that has like a couple thousand views that I literally start at the first time you open up the ads manager on Facebook. So when you hit publish on an ad and it's an hour and 10 minutes of me talking you through every single button, how to click it, how to write the ad, every single thing about it. And what's and the drop off rate sources of business? What's the, what's the drop off rate? Uh, I'll be honest, I haven't even looked. Right. So if you're me business, <laughs> so, so exactly. So this is my point, right? So you put out a piece of content like that, the, the majority of the people are not going to watch the hour and a half long video. They're going to watch maybe 10 minutes and they're going to go, fuck this. I, there's no way that I can do this. I'm going to hire this guy just to do it for me. Right. That's the goal. So, <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So, that's the secret. So this is exactly what we're talking about. Like the, the what and the why typically is what, what marketers do. It's the what and the why. And then the how is what you pay for, right? That's what, that's what people are going to pay the membership price for. That's what people are going to pay for the course for. They're going to they're figure out that they're going to give money to the person that's going to show them the how. And even at, at, at a high level or a, a medium to high level, like they're not even, the marketer isn't even giving them the how. Like they're, they're like the, the, what the why is to drive them into a sliver of what the scale is going to be. Right. So like the online, online marketing scale, right. So you get them in, in, into that entry point where they pay thirty nine ninety nine for that one little snippet of a course, but it's like, it's still the what and the why. If you yeah. want to get to the how it's like, okay, pay me $10,000 a month or pay me $10,000 a year. And then I'll show you the how. Yeah, and it's interesting even that, like, to be honest, a lot of this stuff, you just want these straight how. If you can figure out the strategy, like if you can listen to me and say the strategy, 
if you want to know how to physically like click to do it, you can go on YouTube and you'll be able to piece it together. It'll take right. you a while, but there's so much free content. Like I would say in the first like two years. So I'd say actually basically the entire time I sold and then like most of my time as a trainer, I kind of joked I was a professional Googler. Like I was really good at listening. Cause like, you know, like every, a lot of coaches strategies are like do a free half day event that gives right. them the strategy that sells the three day event that dives right. deep onto it. Yep. I got suckered into a few of those of like paying for the three day. And what I realized is I was really good at picking up the pieces from the half day that I could put together the rest myself. And I generally didn't get anything from the three day outside right. of networking. Um, and that was a big change for me is like realizing that shift of if I can pick up those nuggets, if you go on YouTube and you do it for free. So like, and I've now pivoted my, a lot of our stuff to, because of that to like our membership group, the goal of it is to help you execute. Cause I know what happens when like someone starts executing on something is you hit that roadblock and you get frustrated and you walk away. Right. But imagine you had a group where you could just now post about that roadblock where, you know, it's not a million people have never done it before responding. It's someone who knows exactly how to get past that responding. Right. And so like, it's more, and this is something I learned from Nicholas Kuzmich. It's the access to the person, not the information that sells it. Mm. It's like you're paying for access to like me and my team. You're mm. not paying for my course. The course is right. a bonus because if you can piece together a million videos, you could essentially mm. find my course for free through like my content and other people's content, but they're paying for access to me. And they're paying for access to my network, essentially. Right. And I think like that's a much more powerful thing for like building brand and building a community is the access that you can provide. Interesting. That's a that's a very interesting concept, especially from the you know getting outside of you know the real estate sales vertical and getting into the digital marketing perspective, right? Um, but even coaching, like you're you in know, coaching, right? Like your value as a coach is not just like handing them a system. Right. It's implementing the system and then having you there for feedback and tweaking and adjusting it as needed. But sure. like physically, like here's the like operating book. That's not yes. your value. That is a piece of value. But that's not what, like if that's the reason they're hiring you is to get this book that like shows them what to do, then you're not going to have like a long-term, like you're not going to have a huge retention rate long-term. Right. Right. Like, yeah, I, I think ultimately even, even hundred percent, I totally agree with you. There's no way that you're going to have a, a long retention rate. Like I, I wrote, you know, again, you know, early this morning, um, you know, part of the thing that I wrote was uh, is acquisition and then retention. Right. So what is, what does the retention look like? So it's ultimately it's active content. It is adding value. It is what, what can we do to bring value to this, you know, a certain type of scenario? Uh, like how can this person wake up in the morning and learn something that they didn't know the previous night before they went to bed? Like that's the whole idea. 
right? Of, of what it is that we're, that we're wanting to put together. And so it, it's interesting to me that I, I think there's, I, you know, it's from everything that I've seen and everything that I've subscribed to over the years, it seems like there are a lot of marketers out there that just want that easy buck. They want that. I blame click $5 a month. They want that $47 a month. They want that, you know, $59 a month, right? And they're trying to continually upsell, upsell, upsell. But I think what they don't realize is that that guy that's, that can afford the $47 a month, which is like, you know, 500 bucks a year, they're probably not going to be able to afford the $10,000 that it's going to cost to go and do that massive mastermind where they get the whole fucking book totally 100% expressly explained to them. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's niche is what it is. I think that's, like, that's niche. like a big thing with like, so like Nicholas Kuzman, which I do a lot with like the in-person masterminds. And this actually led to my favorite thing I do now in real estate. And you've been to one of these now. And it's the one where it's like the U shaped table. Mm. I come in with zero agenda. Mm. Just yes. ask the room, what are the challenges in your business? Right. And then we write them all down. That's the agenda for the day. Right. And that's what I do with Kuzmich. So he comes in with no plan. We just, now, well, he books like one or two guest speakers and like one of them, that's how- He knows his shit. Yeah, like that's how I met Hal Elrod once is he brought him right. in as like the guy for the 20 of us. Um, and it was just like this, but you come in and just like, here's my issue. And a lot of his things like, listen, like for the next three months until then, because we do one a quarter, he's like, you're going to pick three things you learned today and you're going to do nothing else on your list until the next mastermind. Right. And he's like, you just have to, you can't focus on too much at a time. Cause that's what I do. It's like, everyone does it. Like they go to a conference, they learn 10 things. They're trying to do them all. Or they're trying to do five. Like, no, like pick one or two or three max. And that's the only thing you're going to do for the next 90 days. Yeah. And that's, that's always a mistake that I've ever, a, a mistake that I've, I've made to every single conference that I've gone to yeah. is that you pay like, you know, you pay, if it's a real estate conference, you might pay 450, you know, you might pay 600 bucks. You might, depending on the track that you go on, if it's a non real estate related, like you go to an Infusionsoft conference, it might be $1,500. It could be $3,000 if you want like the VIP access sort of thing. Right. I think the most I paid but, for one was eight. Right. So, yeah. so 800 bucks, let's, let's call it 800 bucks. No, no. So, <laughs> Oh, $8,000. So you, so it's $8,000. You go to a conference is like, so, are you going to suck in every piece of content that these guys are pushing out? Or are you going to focus on that one thing that is going to expand your business tenfold from what you paid to attend the conference? Right. And I think that's, that's a big miss. It doesn't matter what business you're in, real estate sales doesn't matter. Whatever business you're in, the, the biggest mistake that people going have from going to conferences is going to every single track that's available to them and writing down, jotting down notes without going there without a fucking agenda and going, okay, this is the reason why I signed up for this conference is because I want to learn this one thing. And then yeah. I'm going to go and learn this one thing. And once I'm done, done learning this one thing, I'm going to go and implement this one thing. Like that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, I've actually thought of creating an actual like conference book, but all it is, is like essentially it's a book that shows you how to take notes at the conference, right? which is essentially on like, all I almost want is like the back part of it is longer than the pages. 
Right. And then on the right side, it's three things I'm going to do when I get home. Yeah. And you're writing the notes, but then when you get that one thing, you write it on the side there. Dude, it could be like four pages. That's it. Yeah. It'd be four pages. It'd be like, what is the one track that you want to attend? Yeah. Here are four pages of notes that you can take. So this is the funny thing. I don't go to tracks anymore either. Even if I get to conference I'm paying to go to, I generally, like real estate conferences, I don't go to any of them. Right. Um, Networking. Now, right. Different for agents going to a real estate conference because I go to so many, I've heard every single presentation before. True. Um, but at the end of the day, my own it, conferences, I go to very little, but I dude, look I, at, I don't think it's, I don't think it's different at all. I don't think yeah. it's different at all. I don't, I, go, I, I, think, I look for and try and find the speakers and try to meet them. And I sure. try to have a beer with them. Okay. So that, so that's different. Yeah. But you know, what we're talking about is like content. Right. So the content that, that the agent is looking for obviously is going to be different from what you were looking for. But ultimately when they've got, you know, 14 different tracks with like 28 different speakers and different 28 yeah. different topics, it's like, fuck, like actually make a plan, make it agenda yeah. for what you want to get out of the conference. Don't just go there to drink and have a good time. Man, I've, you know, hey, you can I've get a so much level, money man. at these conferences, so much money. You know, I've, yeah. I've met so many amazing people at conferences and okay. So maybe I won't say that I, that I wasted so much money because I, you know, I met, I have met so many amazing people in the bars, you know, drinking, networking, like, Oh, a hundred percent, man. Like the majority of my business, like ROI from conferences is lobby bar. Oh, I'm sure it is. hundred percent lobby con. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent, like, man. Significant money. <laughs> right. Yeah. But you know, ultimately when, when an agent is going to a conference, it's like, listen, plan your shit, figure out why you want to go there, figure out the tracks that you're going to go in and, and sit down at. If they're early in the morning, don't be hung over because that doesn't help. Right. It does. Is it a listen, real estate I've conference if you're not hung over on day two? Yeah. Oh man. You know what, dude, I've, I've been to a few real estate conferences where I was hung over and I've been to a few real estate conferences where I've, where I haven't been hung over. And I'll tell you the, the, the learning curve is fucking way higher when you're totally. Hey, I will say this the past couple of years, the biggest difference I've changed with conferences is I ghost like crazy. Like I don't say goodbye to anyone. Right. At, like at the night events, I just, when no one's looking, I walk away. Right. Like you're, you get credit for like an extra hour of being out and then yeah. you're feel good the next day. Right. So like anything I'm speaking at, I will not be out past midnight. Unless, and the only time I am out past midnight now is cause I it's because I'm coming it. to your room with a bottle of whiskey, but that's different. I'm back in my room. That's true. <laughs> yeah. or case um, of beer or but like the, like I've like now like David Greenspan, if I even go to the bathroom is like, where are you going? Are you coming back? Because <laughs> <laughs> like a few times I've ghosted him and he's like, right. I didn't realize I was leaving him alone. Cause no, if I'm like leaving one person alone, I will tell them. Um, right. But I didn't realize I was leaving him alone. So I accidentally have basically ditched him at a few different events. <laughs> oh, man. But cause it, it does make a big difference. Um, now difference too is like I'm speaking, right? Like that's right. I've done the speaking hungover. No, not it's worth not it. Fun. Um, no. So yeah, I don't, I try not to go out or I, I will go out the night before, but like by 9, 30, 10, 
at the latest, I'm looking for my ghosting opportunity. Right. And if 11, it hasn't come up, I just fake a phone call. <laughs> mm. And then that's leave. a good one. Yeah. I like that. The fake phone call yeah. works really well because you have to take it outside where it's quiet. Yeah. Wife's on the phone. Sorry, guys. Yeah. Got a jet. Yeah. I'll be harder back. in the winter because you got to grab your coat. Yeah. Or not. I'll be back or not. Yeah. Oh, dude. Seriously. This was, uh... oh, man. I'll tell you, you know, I, I posted this online the other day when I was talking to Gary Hibbert and I was like, you know, I gotta, I just gotta keep the camera rolling after we're done because that's where the gold is. Right. And I feel like I did that tonight for like the first time. You want a trick for doing that? I do it on over a pint. I learned it accidentally and I still do it accidentally is what I'll do is to get people's guard down is Mm. I'll be like, shit, forgot my next question. Give me a minute to think about it. And then we will start talking while I'm thinking about it. Right. And then we just keep talking. Or I'll just fake the uh, technology issue like what we had tonight. Yeah. And it that works. seemed to work pretty good too. The other one I mean, is we had, yeah, we actually had a technology issue. So, yeah. but I mean, I yeah, it was totally legit. But I, I feel like this last, you know, 30 or 40 minutes has been like, this is the meat of the conversation, man. I, I really do. I just, it's now, just been awesome. So. Yeah, well, I don't know. You know how you it's tell to... if people ever get to the end? How? It's this. If you're watching this, send me a message and I'll give you a free hour of consulting. All and right. Then... Thank you very much and good night. <laughs> there you go. All right, man. All right. Tell us how we can find you, dude. Uh, JustSellHomes.com. Logo's twice here. That's not an accident. Um, yeah. JustSellHomes.com. You can reach out to me on Facebook, Andrew Foliato. There's a silent G in there if you want to figure that out. Um, but just Fogliato. Yep. Just so homes.com is the easiest way to get a hold It links to everything we have. Uh, certainly look me up online. Facebook's the big place for me. Um, Instagram second. My favorite is Twitter, but I don't really use it for work that much. Yeah. But Twitter. Don't pure. Fire. Don't. Okay. Don't reach out to him on Twitter. He won't answer you. He just likes to tweet about politics and sports and shit. So the good stuff. yeah. Anyways, brother, thank you so much for being on the show, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, Stick around. (laughs) Well, thank you for having me on your show as well. This is a (laughs) cross-pollination. This is the first cross-pollination that I've had on my show. So this This is is good. The uh, podcast universe. Yes, absolutely. So I'm going to take us out if that's that's okay with you. Thank you so much, brother. I appreciate you. Anytime, my friend.